welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a heart for God and a deep love for people. You can learn more about our church by visiting www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. Hello again, this is Pastor Derek, and I just wanted to jump in real quick before we get started on this week's installment of the Graceway Sermon Cast and give you as a listener kind of an update about what's going on in our season of transition in our ministry. Back in January, at the beginning of this year, uh, we decided as a church to begin joining in fellowship and holding uh, collaborative worship services with another church in our area, a church by the name of Living Hope Fellowship, where Chris Reber is the pastor. Uh, We have decided to do that through a season of transition within our ministry as we seek God's guidance for us in the next steps. And so over the course of that season, you're going to be hearing at times, Pastor Chris Reber will be bringing the message on our sermon cast, and then at other times you'll hear my voice along with some other guest speakers as well. Uh, So just wanted to let you know as a listener kind of what's going on. And so if you hear a different voice as you tune in, that's kind of what's going on. So I'm going to jump off of here and we'll get started with the message. And today we're going to be looking at a concept that sometimes has been misunderstood throughout the years, sometimes have been looked at in the wrong way, in my opinion. There's uh, a lot of good things for us to get a hold of in it. And you might be saying, well, where are you headed? Well, I'm, I'm, in the fifth, I'm in the fifth topic, which is the priesthood of the believer. When you think about that phrase, I mean, some people in Christianity don't even use that phrase. But it is a phrase that theologically has been looked at for years, and it's this whole idea of what your access to God is like and what it's all about and who God really says you are as a believer. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning and see what the Scripture teaches us about this. Sometimes this phrase has been misused in this way. In some circles of Christianity, the concept of the priesthood of the believer is really all about their understanding of their individual autonomy to go to the throne of God. And that's a good concept, but sometimes it is so focused on from the standpoint of, hey, I'm a priest in the kingdom of God and I don't need to hear what you say. That's the wrong way to look at that. But that's what a lot of people hold on to. I mean, in a lot of the Baptist circles that I've been a part of over the years, that's kind of become the ground thing for it. Hey, I'm a, I'm a priest in the priesthood of the believer, and I've got my own viewpoint on that. And there's this attitude of not really receiving from another. In some respects, just to be honest, if I can speak to you pastorally for a second, in some respects, that concept has created a tremendous amount of grief for pastors who feel led and called to share the truth to the fellowship And sometimes there's this attitude of, well, I know more than you know because I'm a priest myself. And I'm not trying to say that the pastor necessarily knows more than the other person does, but the heart of the individual hearing any pastor ought to be, what is it that God is trying to say to me through this servant that he's placed in front of me to share the word? But if my attitude is, well, as a priest, I don't need anybody else to tell me what to do. I mean, that's just me and Jesus, and that's good enough. Well, I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to diminish the reality of that truth that you don't need me to have access to God. That was 100% and solely settled by the work of Jesus Christ. Okay? So from that concept, let's get a hold of that, and let's understand that's true. 
But I want to focus on, I think, a whole other aspect of the idea of the priesthood of the believer. Now, we're going to talk about that access that Jesus supplied for us. And then we're going to talk about our identity of who we are because of the access he gave us. And then we're going to look about what, what does that mean for us and how we live in that out. So this whole idea of the priesthood of the believer, that access comes only through Jesus Christ. So if you was to look at the six basic uh, principles that we have listed here at Living Hope for what our basic beliefs are, you'll get to this fifth thing talking about the the priesthood of the believer, and, it's, and, it's, and the secondary thought under that topic is, and we have no intercessor, we have no need of any intercessor, other than Jesus Christ himself. And we definitely have need of that, because we have no access to the throne, other than by, by way through him. So let's look at Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, that shows that concept. And then we're going to enter into the main part of the text, or main text today, which will be 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 12. This verse right here reminds us and lets us know clearly about who Jesus is on our behalf and what he has done for us. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, why do we have confidence? Because it's by the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. So verse 20 says, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil. That is his flesh. So we have access because of what Jesus has done for us. And then verse 21, and since we have a great priest, I like the way uh, New American Standard says it's a great high priest. You know, we ha that's who Jesus is for us. He replaced the high priest concept that the Jewish people had in terms of service to God in the priesthood. We're going to come back to that. That's really important that we get a hold of that. So who is the high priest over the household of God? Jesus brings us access to God. Now, here's another issue that we need to get wrapped up in our mind as we're talking about this this morning. The idea of access to God for many people is solely about His provision. Well, I'm so glad I got access to God so that I can go to Him and He can give me everything I need. I can tell Him firsthand all the stuff I need. Hey, listen, let me just say that's a good thing, right? Nothing wrong with that. We don't want to ever lose sight of that. That is definitely one of the things Jesus did is gave us opportunity to pour out our heart to God and we can let Him know all of our supplications as the Scripture says. Great access for that reason. Another thing that people tend to focus on as it relates to the access to God is the power that we have available to us because of who he is. And so people go to the throne of God and say, man, if we can get God's power involved in our life, man, don't we need that? No doubt that is a major need of the access to God. But I want to hit on the next thing throughout this message somewhat. And that is... The main thing that Jesus, in my opinion, the main thing that Jesus did in bringing us access to God, man, I get emotional just thinking about this, is that he brought audience with God. I get to be in his presence. I'm just think about that for a second, if you will. Power's great, provision's great. Have you ever contemplated much 
that God is in personal relationship with you and that you get to have a one-on-one -on -one with God and that you don't need anybody else other than the provision of what Jesus did as intercessor for you to be in the presence of God Almighty? This is why over the years you've heard me talk about what a great thing it is that when Jesus accomplished the work on the cross, he brought Eden back to us, which means we get to walk in the cool of the day with God himself in our relationship with him. The access work that Jesus did to me, which is far above anything else that you might possibly conceive that you need, is that you get to have access and audience of the presence of God in your life all the time, 24-7. That is, man, get your mind wrapped around that for a while. <laughs> Who is man, Scripture tells us, that God should be mindful of him? And yet he is. So much so that he wanted you to have direct, uninterrupted access to his very presence. Now we're talking about what priesthood is really all about. See, priesthood is really all about having an audience with God and being a mediator for those who don't have audience with God. And somehow fulfilling that role of service. And that's why Jesus is the perfect high priest in every respect. There is one God and one mediator between man and God. Who? The man Christ Jesus. The high priest for all of humanity. That he might do the work of a priest in bringing God to man, man to God. And so then he calls us. I mean, just, just think about this stuff. This is, this is what a deep privilege God has done for us that he would bring us into that royal priesthood of participating in helping humanity to have audience with God. Man, I mean, that's big stuff. If you think about the priesthood throughout the Old Testament, you see that God has been focusing on priesthood throughout the Old Testament and pointing to our role eventually with him. Now, there are some who even want to will say that it's pretty clear even in the Garden of Eden of Adam and Eve's role in priesthood. I mean, I don't see the word term, the term used ever until you get to Melchizedek. So I'm not sure how much of that's clearly understood in Eden, but that's beside the point. You have it clearly from Melchizedek onwards anyway. At Melchizedek, he runs into a relationship with Abraham, and we're told Melchizedek is a priest that's God's priest. <laughs> Trusting and believing the same God that Abraham had been called to. And that he's priest of Salem, which some people say is really short for Jerusalem. Some, some theologians hold that. And that Melchizedek would have been a priest of Jerusalem. Yet, there's some interesting things said about Melchizedek, right? And we can do the study in Hebrews that tells us a lot about that and break it down. But in reality, he's well beyond what anybody else would know as a priest. Have no beginning, has no end, his genealogy is not understood by anybody. You know, no father, no mother. You're starting to say, wait a minute, this can't be humanity, can it? And so you have some theologians looking both sides of that, saying, no, he was a literal guy of a literal place. And you have others saying, no, he couldn't have been. He had to be a theophany. Now we're getting all these religious theological terms. Or some even say a Christophany. What's the difference? 
Well, the theophany would be a pre-existent representation of God in humanity. A Christophany would be Christ himself in the flesh serving in that role. Which one is it? A little too deep for me to tell you for sure. <laughs> Could it be one of those two? Yes, absolutely, though. I mean, personally, I lean toward a pre-existing revelation of God pointing to Christ. And that Melchizedek was a royal priesthood, which the Bible tells us in Hebrews that that's the, part of the, pre that's the kind of priesthood that Jesus is a part of. Jesus is a priest, uh, the scripture says, according to the order of Melchizedek which was not the order of the Levites. Some people think that, you know, he, had, he, he couldn't have been, you know, a priest because he wasn't from the order. Of, guess what? There was no priestly order of Levites when Melchizedek was around. That came later. Do your Bible work, okay? <laughs> that came later. So, so the priesthood that we are talking about with Melchizedek is a royal priesthood, not a lineage of Aaron priesthood, which the lineage of Aaron priesthood was really supposed to be seen as a type and a picture of the coming Christ, revealing that we needed a mediator between God and man, and that all gets fulfilled in Jesus. And that all the people that were a part of Aaron's priesthood, the high priest, and then all the servants that worked together in mediation between man and God, you and I get to fulfill those roles. Well, that's what we're looking at when we're talking about this understanding of being a part of a royal priesthood and the priesthood of the believer. Let's look at 1 Peter 9, or chapter 2, verse 2, uh, 9 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 12. But you, speaking to the people of God, how many in here are people of God? Yeah, if you know Jesus, you are. You are a chosen race. Here it is, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wow. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers. What's that mean? You're not of this world. Your lineage doesn't have to be of this world. It has to be of his world. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the flesh. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in anything in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, because they're surely going to be there, implied, glory, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. So one of the major works of the cross and the resurrection was to establish the ministry of the royal priesthood. That's one of the works of the cross. I mean, there are many works of the cross, you know. Your salvation for eternity, yeah, 
That's the one we talk about all the time. The fact that you need forgiveness of your sin so that you might spend eternity with God. But what is it that God does to the individual that he forgives from their sin? And what kind of work is he doing inside of them? And what's their place now in the world? And what role are they supposed to be fulfilling? Well, there is some information about all that. <laughs> One of those things is that we might be a royal priesthood. Some argue that the role of the priest has been used of God since the beginning of Eden, as I said, and, and that that's always been the viewpoint of God, that he would call his family. You know, in the history of the Old Testament, you see that the Israel people, it was clear that they were considered to be a, a uh, nation of priests. Really, it was supposed to be to reach the world. But it got internal somehow, and that happens a lot of times with people in their understanding of the priests. As a matter of fact, by the time Jesus came, it was a, a bad thing going on. I mean, the priesthood, the family of priests, I mean, they were like upper echelon dudes then. And there was this clear kind of class warfare going on where if you were a part of the priest, you were considered royalty in some sense. You know, even though, even though the Roman government occupied Jerusalem, Still, the priests and the priesthood still had this governing authority over the people and often wielded that authority, and, and often it created a lot of problems. Jesus comes in fulfilling the perfect role of the high priest, and the Levitical priesthood didn't respond too well to that. I mean, really, the challenges of Jesus to the Levitical priesthood was what sent him to the cross. If you're reading through the New Testament and seeing what takes place, you'll understand that what really challenged the leadership, which was the priesthood and the rabbis and the Sadducees, was the fact that Jesus was fulfilling the role of a priest among the people. And they were being set free, and they were being prayed for, and God's power was being released on them, and he was mediating as he should between them and God and bringing them to relationship with God. And, and the priests were threatened by that. They got upset. Yeah, Charles. That's exactly right. And so they felt threatened by what was taking place. And so as a result, that was the crew that rose up to come against him, to lay traps, to do whatever they can to save their position. <laughs> now, man, there's so many analogies, if we're not careful, to the royal priesthood today falling into the same trap. And we forget that we're servants of the Most High God to bring people to Christ and to not just wield our position of, hey, I'm a priest, you don't need to tell me anything. I'm just as much a priest as you are. That's the attitude of the Levitical priesthood. The attitude of the royal priesthood is, how might I serve you, O God, in any way that I can? If you look at Hebrews 7, 10 through 22, take your time to look at it later, you can clearly see what God spoke to us through the writer of Hebrews in retrospect clearly defines that the problem that, that the leadership of Jerusalem had with Jesus was their, his challenge to their role of a priest. And so it created great, great problems. In our two texts we looked at, that of Jesus' intercessor and us as being called to royal priesthood, 
we clearly see that Jesus is the high priest of a priestly order described in Hebrews 7 and that he has called us who have come to faith in him to be a part of his royal priesthood in our relationship with him. What I'm hoping is happening this morning is for you to get an understanding of what a great call God has placed in you or called you to. Yes, he's called you to salvation from your sin to spend eternity in heaven. That is great. That is awesome. That, we talk about the sweet by and by all the time, right? But there's also a nasty now and now, as Peter Lord used to say. <laughs> In this nasty now and now, he has called you and I to be priests to the world. Let that sink in. I mean, what kind of priesthood are we living? We'll come back to that. Why is it so important that we should have this as one of our basic beliefs? Because if we don't understand our identity and know who we are, we're going to be of no use to our Father. And the goal of our Father is that you might be useful and that I might be useful to Him unto every good work. That's clearly taught in the Scripture, right? And so we've got to get a hold of the reality of knowing who we are and what our role is. Not that we would get this pompous attitude, oh, I'm a priest, no one to take my place, no, no, I don't need anybody else. Not that, but that we would get a hold of the concept that God has elevated us and honored us to be able to be a part of his call to all the nations of people that they might know him. And he wants to use you and me in that role in our daily relationships, that we might somehow encounter other people and help them to see the high priest in us that has given us access to the throne of grace and that we might function in a priestly manner, that is, being a mediator between God and man to bring them to that place that they can trust Jesus, the high priest, as the only true mediator that can get anything done in relationship with God. Man, have you contemplated this stuff much lately? Have you thought much lately about the high calling that God has called you to? That he would place you? I mean, when I first thought that, I said, God, you want to do that with me? Come on, you can get some better material, I think. <laughs> and then God reminds me, yeah, but that's when I show up the most, when the nasty stuff can be used. Oh, wow. And that's you, too. That God could use you to be a priest in the lives of the people around your life. To somehow be useful to introduce them to God Almighty through the work of the great high priest who sacrificed himself for our behalf. See, that's a whole other concept we could chase for a while. The concept of a high priest and a person who understands themselves to be a priest, that is a, a mediator in a sense to God, is the person who lays down their life for the sheep, right? It's not the idea that they wield their position. So you see it in Abraham, first pictured in Isaac, needing to be sacrificed because of Abraham's sinfulness of not trusting God for his lineage. 
And God says, yeah, your sin needs to be atoned for. I'll just take Isaac. I mean, you don't see those words, but you get that's what's happening. And then you come to Moses, and Moses is trying to lead the people, and the people of sin. The first high priest that God ever calls to be a priest as a picture to the world ends up breaking the first two commandments. I mean, he's not supposed to create idols or worship any other god, right? And Moses is up on the mountain getting directions as he's down there building a golden calf. And God uses that dude to be the first high priest. <laughs> so don't tell me God can't use some junk, <laughs> you know, to get his work done. So anyway, he ends up picturing us to, again, though, the attitude that we need to have a sacrifice as a great high priest. So who's really the great high priest in that picture? It's Moses who says to God, please don't do away with those people. Take my life instead. Then we get another picture of it in David, where the people are messing up real bad. David, he wasn't a perfect guy. We know that. But at some time, God's ready to end Israel because of their sinfulness. And David says, no, don't wipe out your people. Take my life instead. Who do we see does that and finishes it all? Jesus. This is not a new concept for God, okay? Just want you to see that. Not a new concept. And then God's now calling us as children of God to walk in that service roles as priesthood of the believer. And our attitude has to be the same. Take my life instead. Will I lay my life down for the good of somebody else coming to Christ? And that's what God's calling us to do. Will I be willing to suffer the consequences of that? And that could be big sometimes. Well, let's talk about this, this priesthood God's called us to for a second a little bit deeper. We're going to look at some of these, these two verses a little bit more clearly. And I, I want us to get a hold of this thought. The word priest is one of the words God chooses to define you. This is, look at verse 9 here. Put that back up there a minute. So in that second part, referring to you, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. By the way, let's just keep this. In. Here's, here's a little... Uh, addendum to the sermon, no extra cost, okay? How about this thought? Sometimes you and I tend to define ourselves in front of God, and here's how we define ourselves. Dirty, rotten sinner. I just did it a minute ago. Not much to work with. You know, just a piece of junk that he somehow uses. Is any of that in that reference there? That's not the way God looks at me anymore. Why do I do that? Why do we somehow never let go of what God delivered us from? Now, I'm not saying that we should not have a tremendous appreciation of what he's brought us from. And I think that is what motivates our thoughts a lot of times and our comments that way a lot of times. But in reality, we've got to somehow move from that identity into the identity of being a saint in Christ Jesus who has been identified now as a chosen race, as a royal priesthood, as someone that is considered a holy nation, God's own possession. Man, that's what God thinks about you. That's mind-boggling to me. Chosen. 
You are God's choice. Now, I'm not, I don't want to get into all the deep, you know, here we go now again about trying to identify the election and all that kind of stuff. Let me just say this much. I know it's crystal clear. In Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, it's very clearly understood. You are chosen in Christ. <laughs> okay? That much we don't have to debate at all, right? You're not getting there in any other way unless you're there in Christ. You are chosen in Christ. And as you turned your life over to Christ, God said, okay, you're mine. Wow. That's what he did for us. And then he made us into this royal priesthood. Not a Levitical order. Not a human order. An eternal order in his eternal plan that we might be useful to him. A holy nation. Gee, I don't think about myself that way. Because I'm thinking about myself. And not he who did what he did for me. <laughs> who was righteous in every way. Upon whose work I depend for my holiness. Upon whose work I depend for my righteousness. Because... Whether you get a hold of it completely or not on this side, when you get to the other side, it'll come clear. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's what God thinks about you when you come to him in Christ. That's what God did. Well, that's why he's called. That's why he's Listen to this. He has qualified us to be a priest. You didn't qualify yourself. And you don't have a bloodline that could ever get you in there just because you're a descendant of Aaron or whatever. None of that works. He alone has qualified you through his bloodline. <laughs> and because of him, you can be used as a priest even in your humanity. That's mind-boggling. But get a hold of that last part. God's own possession. He's defined you as that. You are his own possession. To use as he will. I, I enjoyed uh, being in a pastor's conference a couple years ago in India. And this guy preached on this text. And he talked about God's own possession. And so he said, let me illustrate it to you this way. We have financial things involved a lot in our lives. And sometimes there's strings attached to that financial stuff. We have an income. And we know a certain part of it is earmarked for the mortgage. If I want to have a place to live, right? <laughs> a certain part of it is earmarked for the bills that have to be paid. A certain part of it is earmarked, and he went through all this stuff. But then, at some point, we hope there's something left, and we have this stuff called pocket change. And what do we do with pocket change? Spend it. How? Any old way we please. Any way we want. He said, you're God's pocket change. Any old way he wants to utilize you in the work of the priesthood. That's what he wants to do. You're his own possession to use any old way he wants. Settle in on that. Just be happy to be pocket change. Be glad to be in the priesthood of God that he's called you to. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Here's the second thing I, I think about when we think about the priesthood that God has called us to. We have been called to a supernatural priesthood. This is not the natural order priesthood. We've been touching on that, but we're honing in on it now. This is not the Levitical priesthood. 
This is a royal priesthood. It's a supernatural priesthood. It's a beyond nature. That's what supernatural is, right? It's a beyond nature priesthood. You can't think about it in a natural way. You have to think about it in the supernatural way that it is. It's not Levitical. You have no right to, in lineage to this priesthood. It has fully been afforded to you by God's grace. It is a purchase order sanctified by the sacrifice of God himself in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 10 for a second. For you once were not a people... You had no connection and no right to any kind of priesthood. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's by the mercy of God this has happened. This priesthood that he's called you into is solely got nothing to do with you. All to do with him. It's the supernatural mercy of God that has qualified you and qualified me to be used in a, as a priest in the body of Christ and in this world that we live in. It brings us access to God. That supernatural work of Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection has brought you access to the very throne of God, to the presence of God. It's a supernatural work. This should generate for you uh, an extreme appreciation. I like to believe it does. I don't know your heart, but I assume that it does. I know it does for me. So much so that you would have this attitude of, man, I don't care how he wants to use me. I'm just glad I get to be used. It ought to bring to you the mindset of, of Psalm 8410. You, for, for a day in your courts, is better than a thousand outside. I'm just glad to be in the temple, God. I'd rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. What's that mean? Lord, I'm glad to be a doorkeeper in the household of God. That, I'd rather be that than have everything else the wicked world would have to offer. I understand the value you've placed on me in bringing me into this priesthood. And there ought to be a tremendous sense of appreciation for that. So much so that it would cause us to proclaim the excellencies of God. That's what the scripture tells us in the rest of this passage in verse 11, I think it is. Hit that for a second. I might not have put that, uh, that passage to be listed. But in this proclamation that God has uh, called us to, he's called us to explain the greatness of God, to reveal the greatness of God through our life. And as priests, we do what? We proclaim God's greatness, his grace and his glory. You know, the good that he's done for us. I mean, there's so many things we can see outside this verse as well. But just this whole idea that the priest is going to fulfill that role of pointing people to God. And so we can do it in a lot of ways. We can do it through proclaiming that God will give you all the things you need if you go and pray to him. Provision. Or God will give you the power you need to make it through your life. That's good too. Nothing wrong with it. Or... God will give you access to his very presence and never leave you and never forsake you and will be the very presence in your life for the rest of your life. And that's what Jesus did for us. And we get to proclaim the path 
to the presence of God through Jesus Christ. I mean, we're all wired different, right? Because some people, they get a little scared when you start saying, oh man, the job of a priest is to proclaim. Oh, I don't like proclaiming. I'm quiet. I'm not loud like you, Brother Chris. I, this is not my thing, you know. And I'm always being told I got to be like Paul. And I just, I'm just not like Paul. Hey, be a good doorkeeper. Be the best doorkeeper in the household of God that anybody's ever seen. What does that mean? That means you have the attitude, God, I am willing to serve and do whatever you want me to do. Just show me how to serve. Listen, it's like me telling my kids when they're growing up how to make money. I told them all their life, there's a thousand ways to make money. You just got to pick one. I mean, that's really the truth if you get down to it. Listen, there's a thousand and one ways to be a priest. You just got to be available and be one. Serve God. Well, what is my gift? Maybe it's not to be proclaiming, but maybe I can be a great servant and doorkeeper. I'm going to do that the best anybody's ever seen. Maybe it'd be to, to do some kind of a service ministry to somebody, but you have in mind this. Here's the missing link for so many people. And this is why so many people feel like they're not good proclaimers of the gospel. They separate the work of service from the purpose of the, of the service. Every act I do in service to God as a priest in the kingdom of God should have as its aim bringing glory to God. In some way honoring Him, in some way pointing to Him. So who can't do that in your service to somehow? As someone mentions to you, well, man, why are you always so nice? You don't have to say, well, I was just raised that way. You could just say, because of how nice Jesus has been to me. You don't have to, you know, be the greatest provider of all services to the world. But when that opportunity comes, you could have that heart to be willing to serve. How come you're always willing to serve? Because I have been served in such a way that I cannot put into words. There's no preacher in that, and yet there is. You don't have to be able to stand on a soapbox and quote scripture for that, and yet you're doing it. We've made it harder than it's supposed to be. And don't you know the devil loves that? Because it causes you to feel like you don't have to do it because that's not who you are. Here you go. Get a hold of this. It is who you are. You are a priest. It's not who you are in that you necessarily have certain kind of personality traits that makes you a preacher. Not all priests are preachers. In the household of God, in the Levitical priest picture type for us, they weren't all preachers. Some of them were doorkeepers. And that's okay. But did you get the attitude of that doorkeeper? Oh, God. Thank you for letting me be in your temple, a servant of yours, to be the doorkeeper at the threshold of God. I'd rather do that than have all the worldly wickedness that they could offer me. And so if we have the right attitude and mentality behind it, we can be useful to God. 
And so we've got to know who we are so that we can be in that place. So understand, everything that God's doing in your life and everything he's uh, made you to be, he wants to use to show his mercy, to bring grace and glory to, great, uh, praise and glory to his name, and that you are a tool in his hand for that purpose. You know what? Some of y'all might be the only priest on your street. Well, that makes us all right. Isn't that awesome? That's right. That's right. Isn't it awesome? You know what's the best about that? It's just normal life. You're just riding on a plane, you know? And if we can get to that place that we understand we're priests, this is who we are, and so we're just going to be useful. And we're just going to be natural. I stand in the hospital. There's kind of a piggyback on this idea. Of just near, I'm standing in the hospital praying with a guy like I always do when people are in the hospital. It's, Zach, it's Zachary um, Bennett. Some of y'all know him. It's Brenda's grandson. Zachary, you know, it's hard to communicate with sometimes. He's got some challenges physically and his health and all that. And, and so that day, man, he's clear. I'm understanding him. He all, by the way, if you're ever talking to Zachary, you got to know this. He understands everything you're saying. He just can't put it back out very clearly. But that day he was. And so I'm talking to him. And, and as I'm standing there getting ready to leave, I get that same kind of thing of the Lord kind of speaking to my heart and say, you know, this might be the day for Zachary. Talk to him about me. He gave his heart to Christ that day in the hospital, you know. And so we never know. When God's at work in the moment, just got to be sensitive to be ready. That's all. Just be ready and just be natural. And God will do things that blow you away. Most of us are in Christ because somebody did that. Most of us are there because somebody, even though they didn't know they were a priest, they functioned as a priest. And as a result, we came to Christ. Amen. That's good. Hmm. 
fine. That's good. So we never know. We just don't know, right? Let's just be, let's just be the priest. Let me close this way. You can only answer this question, nobody else. And I'm not asking you to speak out loud. I just want you to be honest and, and get a hold of it in your heart. Do you really know who you are? I mean, have you, have you been in Christ this far and realized that maybe you didn't really understand who you really are? Do you know who you are? Do you know that you're a priest? And, and do you get what an honor that is? Do you get that? And then let me just say this to you. Don't be afraid. Don't let the devil lie to you to think that you can't be useful to God in this call that he's placed on you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Just trust God and just do what God tells you to do. Well, they might call me or that might cause this. Or That's secondary. That's not your problem. You just be faithful to God and let God use you as a priest. We are priests of God. Think about this. In this moment in all of history, you are part of God's priesthood on this planet. In this moment in all of history, you are God's priesthood on this planet. What a privilege. Thank you for listening today. At Graceway, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section, or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.